0: don't realize or we take for granted how serious of a responsibility we have and how serious this is this is holy ground sit in recess what I tell my kids all the time we're not we're not going to recess That's right. we come to worship and fall on our face in front of the creator of the world this is holy ground and we should take it as serious as it is. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, y'all go ahead and be turning to Luke chapter 8. I'll tell you, um, we are, we've are we got a, um, a lot to cover today. A lot. I have got a lot of a lot of information to give you, and the reason that I, I don't want you to miss any of this, because this parable that we're going to cover today is, in my opinion, the the best parable I think Jesus told. Um, and so there's so much to it, you know. When you when you get to study and then you uh, and Buffy knows how it is, Kevin knows how it is. When you get to studying and then, uh, put so many hours into something, you've got so much. But you have to, you have to figure out, you know, what you're going to cut out. Well, I don't have a lot that I want to cut out. And so, what I'm going to do today, just so I'm not preaching till two o'clock this afternoon, because y'all kill me if I did that. What I'm going to do is, is we're going to do this in two parts. I'm going to preach part A this morning, and tonight I'll wrap it up and, and, and preach the second part. So, is that all right with y'all? Alright, so that means you all have to come back Tonight, 6 o'clock But before we get into the text Before we get into this uh, Let's review I'm going to do this every time <coughs> So we're, we're in the Gospel of Luke who, who wrote the Gospel? Okay, who is Luke? That's it, all of the above um, Now who's he, who's he writing the Gospel to? Theophilus. Who else? Gentiles. Gentiles, right? So, who's Theophilus? I don't know. I don't, know the don't know. Right. What do we know? Of Christ. Yeah. All we really know about him is um, is uh, that, uh, that Luke calls him most excellent in verse three of chapter one, and that was a term. At that time, that was a uh, social term, so he could have been a high-ranking citizen or just a wealthy or a high-ranking government official or a wealthy citizen. He could have, you know, one of the two. Um, we don't know who he was. You know, pretty good idea that he was a disciple of Luke's, uh, but that's about all we know. Uh, what, what's the purpose of Luke writing this gospel? Or, you know, yeah. From life and death, yeah. And right. That's right. Two reasons. Um, Y'all, hitting uh, 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 Buffy said uh, that uh, you know just a comprehensive. Uh, um, yeah, just just his ministry, or account of his ministry, and then and then Billy said uh, so Theophilus would know what he had been taught was was true. That's what he says in verse four, chapter one. So that's what that's why the gospel was written. So. Uh, that background information vital to us. We need to know that. That's why I go over it every time we preach um, out of Luke. So, any questions? None at all. All right. Well, Luke chapter eight. is Everybody there? Yep. All right. Well, let's all stand to honor the reading of the perfect and holy Word of God. So we're going to be at verse four. Starting verse four. Parable of the Sower. And when a great multitude were coming together and those from various cities were journeying to him he spoke by way of the parable. The sower went out to sow his seed and he sowed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road. It was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air ate it up. And the other seed fell on the rocky ground and as it grew up it withered away because it had no moisture. And other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And other seeds fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. And he said these things, and he said these things, he would call out, "He who has ears, let him hear." And his disciples began questioning him as to what this parable might be. And he said, "To you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, in order that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this, the, uh, the seed is the word of God, and those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes to take away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. And those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time or of temptation fall away. And the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard as they go. And as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. And the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Let's pray. Lord, God, I just thank you right now. I thank you for this wonderful opportunity that you've given me to stand and proclaim and preach your perfect word. But Lord, it's not just an opportunity, but a responsibility. And so God, thank you for it. I, I'm not worthy of it. I, you know, I, I only can't... The only time that I can be considered to tell the truth is just now when I've read your word. So Lord, I just I just pray that it's not me speaking today, That that it's you. Lord because I have nothing to offer I have nothing to bring to the table but Lord you do and you have a word for your people and Lord I pray that you speak through me now as you fill me with your spirit Lord I just again I thank you for your word we'll see today that that your word is something you take serious it is serious to you your word even says you exalt your word above your very name so lord let us take serious what we're here to do today which is to hear your word but not just hear it but also heed it when we walk out these doors lord thank you and now we give you all the honor praise and glory it's in the most beautiful name of jesus that i pray amen Amen. All right. So this this parable, this parable is um, is a um, it's one of the first ones Jesus ever recorded. It's not the first one that Luke recorded, but uh, it's one of the first ones that, that, that was recorded in Scripture. And um, as we as we read the text, some some people say that this is actually three parables. And, and it might be, and if we, but 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 I say I'd like to approach it as one, and that's how I want to look at it. One parable with three things that we focus on, uh, or we want to enlarge on today, and that's the seed, the soils, and the sower. All right, that's the three things we're going to look at and pull out of this. Now, now the sower—that's the first thing I want us to look at. The sower is the parable, or in the parable, who's the sower? The farmer. Hmm. Jesus, that's right. The sower is Jesus. He himself is the sower. If you look at the text, if you if you look at the at the, and we'll talk about this later. Uh, but if you if you dig beneath the surface, he's actually speaking in, in third person here. He's speaking of himself. And and what he says is the the sower went out to sow. That's a short statement. It's a simple statement, almost so short that we can miss how big it is. We do. We just glaze right over that. It's one line and and and. It really here's what it is. It's one line. It's simple. It's short, but it contains the entire transcript of Jesus's entire ministry on earth. It does. It says he went out. Jesus went out. He went out. He went out to sow. Now, how did he go out? He went out in three different ways throughout history, three different ways. The first way Jesus went out is he went out in his own person. He went out in his own person. He came from heaven uh, incarnated from heaven in his own incarnation and he went out and, and at every turn every turn as he, as he went out he, he announced the truth he proclaimed the truth or he threw seed everywhere he went All right, the second way that he went out is he went out in the person of his followers he went out in the person of his followers so every follower is, is really what are we? that's right we're really a modified version of Jesus Christ lives in me, right? So he lives in me through what? Through his presence in me. But he's restricted. He's restricted by me. He is. He lives in me, but he's restricted by me. How is he restricted? He's restricted by my human limitations, and he's restricted by my sin. So not only does he live in me, not only does Jesus live in me, he goes out to sow, and he goes out to sow when I agree with him and cooperate with him in the sowing. Does that make sense? So that's the second way. He went out in the person of his followers. He went out in, in his own person. And the third way is he went out in the person and performance of the Holy Spirit. See, so it's the Holy Spirit who's who's the one that's continuously working, right? It's the Holy Spirit that's working. He's the one planting. He's the one cultivating the seed in the hearts of men. And it's the Holy Spirit is the one that's reaping the harvest. All right. So he, Jesus goes out. He went out in his own person. He went out in the person of his followers and he went out in the person and performance of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's the first factor, the, the, the sower in, in the in the parable. The second is the seed. Now, what does the seed represent? Mm-hmm. That's right. The word of God. Verse 11, Jesus says the seed is the word of God. Now, speaking literally, by definition, when we look at, at what a seed is, a seed is 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 a is an outward shell, <coughs> but what's inside the seed? Life. life, an embryo. That's right. It's it's, it's the life and the embryo of the of the plant that the seed represents. So whether it's a whether it's a lemon tree or whether it's a, a, a strawberry plant or a, or an apple tree or or a grapevine, whatever it is, the seed holds the life inside of it, right? Now, when we interpret this parable, when we look at this parable and interpret it, the, 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 uh, if we keep that definition of the seed in mind, if we think about that, but we think spiritually, the seed is the outward shell, right? But it carries the life or the embryo that that seed represents. Well, what embryo does the spiritual seed represent? What life does it carry? Yeah, yes, amen, yeah. So, Seed is described different ways in the New Testament Uh, Jesus referred to himself as the seed in John 12 John 12 he referred to himself as the seed Uh, but then uh, the seed also represents the word of God one commentator said listen to this write this down if you can Uh, I love this he said Christ is the embryo and the Bible is the husk that holds it together Christ is the embryo, and the Bible is the husk that holds it together. 1 Peter 1, Peter said, For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like flower the flowers of, the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Or that Jesus himself said in John 6, he said, "Is the spirit that who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and of life. So Jesus calls himself the seed. All right. Seed also represents the word of God. But then Jesus also called Christians the seed. He called Christians the seed in, uh, in Matthew 13, verse 38. He said, And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. And as for the good seed, these are the of the sons of the kingdom. That's Matthew 13. So as a believer, here's what I want you to get. As a believer, you're really the carrier of the seed of truth and the seed itself. You're the carrier of the seed, but you're also the seed itself. Man. See, that's 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 why you exist. That's your purpose for existing after you're saved. We're Christ's carriers. We present him, how? By sharing his word but also showing our life, sharing our life. So it's in word and deed. So that's it's, it's, it's the sower the seed. Now let's look at the soils. The soils represent what? The, the, the yeah, hearts. the hearts of men, yeah. So every human heart is pictured by one or more of these soils. Every human heart. Yours, mine, everybody's. So to get more specific, the condition of the different souls represent the different responses that people have when the seed's dropped on them. So, so here's how we look at it. The soul represents the quality of the person listening or hearing when the truth of the word's presented to them. I don't think we realize how important this whole matter of spiritual hearing really is. It's Everything. It's a massive truth that we need to put on the front and the center today. All right? Why? Why do we need to put it on the front and center? Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the Word of God. Look, there's no way to be saved. There's no way any of us will ever get saved or have been saved or exercise faith in God except by hearing the Word of God. Amen. That's the only way it's going to happen. So so I want you to write this down. I'll have to repeat it a bunch of times, but but listen to it first before you start writing, writing it down. Faith starts with God. It stands on the Word of God. It states the Word of God. It steps out on the Word of God, and it stops with the Word of God. Faith starts with the Word of God, stands on the Word of God, states the Word of God, steps out on the Word of God, and stops with the Word of God. Man. Let me read it one more time. Faith starts with the Word of God, stands on the Word of God, states the Word of God, steps out on the Word of God, and stops with the Word of God. Jesus said in John 8, he who is of God hears the words of God. Or he says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. Now, that's that's some big stuff, but we have to look at the other side of us too. The other side of the same truth, which is the negative side, and that's the penalty, the extreme penalty for failing to hear. Y'all turn to Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33. All out hallelujah when you're there. Hallelujah. All right. Ezekiel 33 verse 31 says, They come to you as people. Now this is God speaking to Ezekiel. He said, They come to you as people come and sit before you as my people and hear your words, but they do not do them. For they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth and their heart goes after their gain. Y'all write that verse down. Ezekiel 33 31 you go home and you read it over and over and over and over again until it is ingrained in your head and your heart. Especially this phrase, and their heart goes after their gain. Another translation says, in their heart goes after their own desires. See, there's, there's a limit to the application or to the obedience of the Word of God in these people's lives. Whether it's unconscious or conscious decision that they're making, these people are only going... As far as they feel comfortable going, they've got a predetermined limit set on how they follow the Lord. One leader said, um, and he, this is a guy who's built a ton of disciples over the years, this is what he said. He said, the typical church turns most people, most of the people who attend, far more into, into customers than into distributors. Man. The typical church turns most of the people who attend far more into customers than into distributors. Look, some of the best advice Jesus gives us is when he said, be careful that you hear. Be careful that you hear, but be careful how you hear. Now, do you all think Jesus, son of God, God in flesh, would have spoken and said and gave that advice if there wasn't some real danger to us? of not properly hearing when the Word of God is preached. See, there's hearing, right? There's hearing, but then there's hearing every time the Word's proclaimed. Listen to me. I want you to hear me. Listen to me. Every time the Word is presented, there's an opportunity for all of us, every one of us in this room, including myself, including Buffy, everybody, to have lazy listening and inadequate hearing. We all fall under that potential. There's a chance for even the most faithful person to listen casually, to fall asleep. I'm talking to some of you now. Somebody you got your mouth wide open. Your head back. Look, you don't want to hear it. I know what happens. You don't want to hear it. Now, maybe I'm a jerk for saying it. I don't care. But uh, if the word's being proclaimed, and you can listen so casually that you fall asleep. I want you to know that you put yourself in a dangerous place. Because as David said, we're in ho- we're, we're on holy ground. This is serious. This is cross serious. This this required the Creator to kill His Son. If we can listen so casually that we fall asleep, man, listen. I don't, I don't think there's a Christian anywhere in this room or anywhere who could really, and I mean really hear these two warnings, be careful that you hear and careful how you hear and then begin to obey them and just stay a customer of the church. Samuel Rutherford. Anybody ever heard that name? Samuel Rutherford. Charles Spurgeon was a fan of Samuel Rutherford. He said, let me read you Spurgeon's quote about him. He said, his writings, this is Spurgeon speaking, he said his writings read more like inspiration to me than anything I've ever read outside the Bible. Now, if Charles Spurgeon gave a man that kind of recommendation, you might want to pay attention to what this guy says. Let me give you a quote that, that Samuel Rutherford wrote. He said, a spiritual person will draw diamonds out of a dunghill and go away from that spot infinitely rich in spiritual treasures and increasing his usability inventory with every step that he takes. But a carnal person is like the re- rooster who created the dunghill to begin with and then climbed on top of it and crowed over his accomplishment. <laughs> That's good. So we think about the Christian life. The Christian life, the Christian movement, the, the which is what? The, the growth of the kingdom of God, right? Right? When we think about it, everything depends on three things. Every bit of it depends on three things. Let me give you those three things. The first, everything about the Christian life, the Christian movement, depends on three things. First, the sovereignty of God. That's A, number one. It depends on the sovereignty of God. Isaiah 55, he says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater so will my word be rich or so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it here's the point God is sovereign God is sovereign even over our hard heart that never hears him never hears him he's always speaking God's constantly speaking But some of us have hard hard hearts that never hear him when he speaks and he's sovereign over that. Look, and plus, he imposes judgment on that listener. Every one of us 100% fully responsible for how we hear. All right, that's the first thing, sovereignty of God. second thing that the Christian life depends on, the Christian movement depends on, is the strategy of sowing. Luke 8.5, in our text, he says... The sower went out to sow. Luke 8.5 has got to be fulfilled. If it's not fulfilled, the Christian life won't have a beginning point. If if someone doesn't... How did you come to Christ? Someone had to sow seed in you. If that doesn't happen, you don't have a beginning point. All right, so it's the sovereignty of God, the strategy of sowing. Here's the third thing, the state of the soils. See, without the sovereignty of God, the Christian life, here's what it would be. It would be completely and totally at the mercy of the sinner's ability or inability to hear. Right? Thank God He gave us ears to hear. That's right. Now, before, I want to look at the soils. There's four different types of soils I want to look at, but here's what I want to do, and I want to stop and pause and tell you before I go any farther. As I studied this, uh, you know, it's in three different gospels—Matthew, Mark, and Luke. As I studied this, each each account of the parable fills out the parable, right? You have some from Mark. You have you have some information from Mark that Luke doesn't have. You have some information in Matthew that, that you know that, that Mark or Luke doesn't have. So each account gives us some pretty big-time insight into this parable. So what I'm going to do here, and, and really for the rest of the sermon from this point on, is, is I'm going to pull the truth from all three. All right. Let Instead of going verse by verse in Luke, I'm just going to pull the truth from Matthew, Mark, and Luke and let Scripture interpret Scripture. Scripture fill out Scripture, right? Yeah. So that will give us a more complete picture of the truth of this parable, which I think we need to really fully understand. So, so let's look at the soils. The first soil is the soil beside the road. The soil beside the road. Matthew and Mark both say that uh, the seed fell on this soil and was, what, devoured by birds. Luke said that the seed was trampled underfoot. Both are true. Both are true because as the people would walk by, they'd step on the seed, and then what was left, it it wouldn't penetrate the soil. The soil was too hard for it to penetrate, and so it would be devoured by birds. That's when the birds would eat it. So, uh, Matthew says that the hearer that's represented by this soil doesn't understand the word, or he could care less about the truth. Luke and Mark say that the devil takes the word from their heart, but then Luke adds, "So they will not believe and be saved." So that's the that's beside that's the soil beside the road, the rocky soil, the next soil. In all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke say that the plant that quickly grew um, just as quickly withered away. Uh, Matthew and Mark said that it was scorched from the lack of root which is really what just is a lack of soil. Luke adds that uh, that that the lack of moisture contributed to the withering and then all three say that the word represented by the seed was received with joy. So the word was received with joy. Matthew and Mark say that when affliction or persecution come The person presented in this soil immediately falls away. So, this is the person, this is the Christian, or the person who says, "I, I thought when I became a Christian all my troubles were over with, but they got worse. I don't want none of this. Matthew and Mark say the problems with this kind of listener is not the seed. Problems not the seed, problems not with the sower, problems with the soil. He has no firm root in himself. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's the rocky soil. The third soil is the soil soil among the thorns. All three say that the, that the plant that's, going, uh, that's growing in this soil is what? It's choked by the thorns and the other weeds in the soil, right? Mm-hmm. But Luke says that the thorns grew with the plant that resulted from the seed. That's what Luke said. Mark says that the soil yielded no fruit. So if it yields no fruit, what can you say about it? That's right. It violates the sower's intention and the seed's potential. Luke says that the plant was choked by the worries and riches and pleasures of this life. And then Matthew and Mark, they speak of deceitfulness of wealth, which means that the riches that that cheat us out of the best thing in life, which is the true riches of God. All right, so that's the the soil among thorns. The, the, The last soil is the good soil. Now, the good soul, all three of them say that this soil bears no fruit, or this soil bears fruit. Matthew gives, uh, gives this, this scale of fruit bearing. He gives us this, this, these levels, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Uh, so even these people with the good soul, they're spiritual hearers. They can spiritually hear, but they, 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 they all bear fruit, but they do it on different levels. But Mark, when you look at Mark, he reverses that order. He says 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. And then Luke only mentions 100-fold. Matthew says that the hearers are the ones that understood the word, which is pretty obvious, right? Mark says they receive the word. Luke says that they hear it in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Meaning when they hear it, they treat it like their most prized possession. They maximize everything about it. They're fully obedient to it and bring forth much fruit by it. All right, so that's the whole picture. That's all the fruit. Or the soil, not the fruit. uh, Beside the road, the soil beside the road, rocky soil, among the thorns, and the good soil. So that's the whole picture in all three Gospels that that give this parable of the four soils. And look, let me tell you, if you believe yourself to fall into into the category of... Of somebody with good with good soil. If you fall into that category, somebody with spiritual ears, if you take and you study this, these four soils side by side from the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Luke eight, Matthew thirteen, and Mark four, you'll get some real spiritual growth. You get a real spiritual education out of this. I'm telling you, this is good stuff. It really is. Um, but listen, this uh, the parable. The application of the good soul or this parable applies to the person who hears the truth, which is which would be the regular faithful church member, right? The sincere, regular, faithful listener. But I'd say it's probably safe if we say because of the regular exposure to truth, this person, this regular, faithful church attender, this person is very likely to be a victim we've talked about it, a victim of the casual lazy listening we've all got that potential right mm-hmm. that means you me we're all vulnerable to lazy listening so i want you to follow where i'm going with this for a second this parable this parable has a uh, has a lot to say to us about being a disciple it's got a lot to say about making disciples too matthew 5 you know follow what i'm saying here matthew 5 uh, the, the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, or it says in Matthew 5, 1, when the crowd saw, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Okay? Now this parable, parable of the sower from, from Matthew's account in, in Matthew 13, after Jesus gave the, gave the parable, he says in verse 10, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? All right. Y'all following now, Matthew 13 in Matthew 13, Jesus gives seven parables in Matthew 13. After he gives four of them. In verse 36, he's he's just he's just finished (coughs) the fourth of the seven parables. Verse 36 says, then he left the crowds and went into the house and his disciples came to him. So all three texts says his disciples came to him. Here's my point. When we look at this parable in full view it reveals to us the original functions of the disciples or the original functions of a disciple. All right? That's sight, hearing, and action. But it's not just any regular seeing. It's not any just regular hearing or any just any action. All right? It's not just regular sight. It's insight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not just casual hearing. All right? It's it's hearing with understanding. Mm-hmm. And it's action. The action is productive action. All right? All right? So here's what I want you to do. Uh, Look in Matthew 13. Turn to Matthew 13 if you're not there. Everybody there? Matthew 13, verse 3. Jesus begins to speak. What's the very first word he speaks? Behold. 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 Now to us, to us, that word behold, we just glance over it. We think it's it's a good way to start the, the story. We get into the story. So he just says, wait a second, behold. And he goes on to his in, into the parable. But I want you all to pay attention to what I'm saying. Look at me. This is how we miss big stuff. This is how we miss big truth. Because we fall into this same trap that, that he's warning against in the parable. We come to the Scripture often, so often, and I'm, I'm, A, number one, guilty. We come to it casually. Casual readers and casual listeners. This word, behold, is loaded. It is loaded. Let me tell you the grammatical structure it's going to make your head spin. And in the in the Greek word... The original language, the grammatical structure, it's a second person singular aorist middle imperative verb. Second person singular aorist middle imperative verb. And I don't know, I know that don't mean nothing to you, but it should. It should. Let me tell you why. Because if you will come to it looking for the truths beneath the surface, you'll see so much more. So I'm going to explain it to you, and, this, and I'm going to show you how we miss it because we casually listen or we casually approach Scripture. First off, being a verb, behold, is a what kind of word? Action, action word. That's right. It's an action word. So how many of us, Every this word's used a lot in Scripture, not just, not just here, but it's used a lot. But how many of us, every time we've seen the word behold, have ever stopped and said, what kind of action is this word asking from me? Not many. I know I have it. I have it not until I come to this study for this sermon did this all begin to open up for me? So many times I've been a casual reader, casual listener, and look—it's a transparent moment. I'm—I'm going to I'm, I'm be honest with you. I've been convicted over this because I've casually approached the Word of God. Jesus says that if uh, that we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's right. But how in the world can I do that if I've been so indifferent about the exact words and their exact meanings? I can't. I can't. Look, this is a parable about the quality of our listening when God speaks. The word's a, uh, it's the first word that he spoke in the, in the parable, right? The word behold. It's it's a second person, singular, heiress middle, imperative verb. So what does that mean? Well, really every action word in the New Testament is just as loaded as this one. But I'm I'm going to explain to you what all that means. Second person singular verb, it means each of you. That's what it means. It means each of you. So every Christian is bound to this word by the specification of Jesus. That's what second person singular means. It means each of you. Then it's also in the aorist tense. In the Greek language, in the aorist tense, that's a point action. That means master this here and now. All right? And then it's, it's in the middle voice. Which means if you do this, you're going to be the ones to get the benefit of it. So if you do this, you get the benefit. And the last thing, it's an imperative mood verb. Imperative mood, which is what? A command. So any command of Jesus, any command of Jesus holds the equal weight in scriptures, the Ten Commandments. It does, because it's God Himself giving a command. So this word, behold, commands each of us individually to look at this parable so deeply that we master it here and now. And then we flesh its meaning out into our lives. And then we'll be guaranteed to be eternal winners because of our continuous obedience to it. All from one word. One word. We just glance over that word. Look, I've been convicted by being a casual listener and reading God's word casually. And I pray that that every one of y'all will see the importance of digging deeper than what the surface gives us. I'm not saying that you can't get truth from the surface. You can. People are saved. But if you want to dig the real diamonds out of Scripture, you will dig for them. They're not on the top. They're not. One of the things Jesus uh, talks about in Scripture, when when, when you follow His entire ministry, one of the things He talks about more than others is, is hearing. Have you ever heard anybody, pastor, teacher, anybody, including myself, teach you how to hear the Word of God? Have you ever had anybody teach you how to hear the Word of God? No, look. We need to learn how to hear the word, and we need to teach other people how to hear the word. Communication is not what you say; it's what they hear. Right? Successful communication is not what I say; it's what you hear. All right? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop there because we're. I got a lot left, but I mean, we'll be here. For another hour. So I'll continue tonight. Uh, we'll continue digging deeper into it and get some more truth out of this. Out of it. so I hope y'all come back. All right. Let's pray. Lord. God, thank you for your word. God, you say your word is so shallow that a child can understand it, but it's so deep that even theologians struggle with it that's why it's fresh and new that's why a person can be a pastor preacher teacher or, or follower for 50 60 years and come to it and it's fresh every day because your word is so infinite but Lord I pray we don't ever come to it again casually Lord this is serious serious simple yet holy. Lord, I pray that we all regard you and your word to be as holy as it is, to never take it to never take it lightly, to always hold it with the regard that it deserves. Lord, thank you for your word, thank you for your truth. I pray now, Lord, that 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 As your gospel is proclaimed, your will be done. We love you, and we give you and only you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, it's deep, but it's simple, right? How simple is it? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, his only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Everything we need to know is wrapped up in that text. Sometimes we can get cute and clever and miss the point completely. It's not rocket science. It's not. God loved the world. Amen? He loved the world. But the problem is the world didn't love Him. doesn't love Him. But he solved the problem of our sin by giving his son. Jesus, he gave Jesus, his son, to die on the cross for the sin of every person who would ever believe on him. It's all there in that one verse. Twenty-five words all wraps up everything we need to know. God exists. God loves us. He proved his love by sending his only begotten son. He provided salvation for whosoever would believe. He offers that salvation as a free gift. And he says that if a person is not saved, then they will perish eternally. Listen. If anyone in this room, I don't know every heart here, but if anyone in this room doesn't know Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life, then I'm pleading with you. I am. I'm pleading with you to cry out to him. Ask Him to show you the truth of who He is and the truth of who you are. We don't have tomorrow. We don't have tomorrow. And that's been made no more evident to me and no more clear to me than this, this week. It was made clear to me. We don't have forever. Two people that I grew up with died this week early. Yeah. It, 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 it broke me. One one I know was a believer, but the other one I know wasn't. I know he wasn't. Look, you're not promised another breath. You could fall out on the floor right now. You're not promised anything. God doesn't owe you a thing. He doesn't owe you another minute or another second of life. So cry out to him. Confess your sin to him. Scripture says he's Faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So as we have this time of invitation, I want to invite you to come. I do I want you to come up. If you have any questions about salvation, let's let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. I'll stay as long as I need to today. It doesn't matter to me. We can be here till tonight at six. It don't matter. If you feel like maybe God's calling you and your family to join Crossway, we can talk about that. We can talk about baptism. But as, as David begins to play, y'all can all stand. And as, as David begins to play, however, you feel the Holy Spirit leading you. Page 321.